Welcome to the AR-15 Podcast. AR-15 Podcast. This is the podcast about your favorite black rifle. This show is for you if you're building your first AR or you've been building ARs for years. There is something we can all do to take our black rifle to the next level. Welcome to episode number 187 of the AR-15 Podcast. On this episode, we're going to be talking with Rocky Harrigan from Unbranded Arms and Critical Capabilities. So, um, Rocky, thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you for having me. I'm really looking forward to chatting with you guys about the business and uh, hanging out with you guys for the night. Well, we're excited that you were able to join. JD, it's good to see you again. I think uh, I've I've seen you uh, far more than I've seen my, my wife these last three weeks, and I don't know how I feel about that. Well, she's a lot prettier than I am, um, So, but it's good to see you too, Reed. <laughs> well, why don't you tell the listeners about um, how they can support the show, J.D.? So we just kicked off uh, your way of supporting the show. You go to uh, firearmsradio.tv, click on Pledge, uh, select the AR-15 podcast. There's several levels that you can get involved in uh, that have rewards for helping out the show financially. Uh, we're looking forward to investing into the future of the show through recording equipment, video equipment, uh, giveaways, and also hopefully some listener experiences. I'd love to take listeners on a hog hunt out of a helicopter. <laughs> that, 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 that's a bucket listing that I think we could do if we worked it out. Uh, we also have show sponsorship spots, uh, $200 a month, and uh, you can be featured on the AR-15 podcast, just like JWB Military and Brass. Um, they'll be sponsoring tonight's main topic. Go there. We've got battle boxes, uh, rewards, all sorts of stuff for different levels of getting involved. Uh, thank you to Tom Gonzalez and others that are supporting the show right now. And uh, we look forward to making a better show for you in the future. Check it out, firearmsradio.tv. Click on Pledge and select the AR-15 podcast. Hey, guys, I want to give you a heads up on a giveaway we're doing right now with RTT Firearms out of Lake Havasu City, Arizona. RTT has been an amazing friend and supporter to the AR-15 podcast this year, and they keep outdoing themselves. Uh, they are currently giving away a distressed flag builder set. You can check it out. It's the American flag with the upper, the lower, and the handguard. Uh, check it out when you sign up, firearmsradio.tv. Click on the AR-15 podcast link, and you'll see the link right there to sign up and a picture of the Distressed Flag Builders giveaway set. So check it out. Also visit rttfirearms.com and make sure you stop by their social media and say thank you for supporting the AR-15 podcast. So, um, uh, Rocky, we tend to touch base before we get into our main topics and just kind of find out what we've been doing in this last week or so. And uh, I have to tell you that this last week, the the entire five-month dry spell I've had of not being able to get out to the range or do any of the things that I was doing before, I actually embarked on uh, a project to retune one of my rifles, so uh, I'm going to get uh, some some new controls, some new, uh, uh, I've got a new uh, grip, new uh, hand guards, so I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it all tuned up. And uh, I might even share pictures of it, but um, uh, since I can't get out to the range uh, much these last couple of uh, months, I've decided I'm just going to stay here and rebuild a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rocky, what have you been up to this last week? Gosh, this week I have been actually working on revamping our unbranded AR website. So I handle mostly marketing and sales with our company, and so that's one of 
the passions that when I have time, I like to touch up images and uh, work on our brand, our unbranded brand. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I wish that my day was filled with far more firearms related things than it is. But, <laughs> you know, now that I am keenly aware of your website, I may be spending more of my time there trying to retune some of my other rifles. J.D., what have you been up to this last week? Well, um, I have a, a small problem with lowers. We've documented this. I've been told an intervention's probably in line soon. But I actually enabled someone else to buy a lower, and uh, or actually a lower upper combo this weekend. I, I won't name his name because he gets pretty grumpy when I tell people what he buys. But I'm pretty sure you can figure out who the grumpy guy is. Yeah, only because I'm staring at you. <laughs> well i was i was looking out for you you were you wanted it in that color i did i found I did. it in that color and send you a text and, and got the ball rolling on that um i also um i'm ashamed to admit that i bought a uh aero precision m5 builder set <laughs> so so i added another one uh, it's project. not technically yeah it's not technically in the safe yet but um it's it's headed to the place where i keep all the lowers is that why you didn't add it to your account? I, it's not. It's not technically here yet in my hands. So well, I wouldn't still, add it to the count either if that were the case. It's. It's. Yeah, so I'm still sitting at 82. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> we're not at 83 yet. No, not yet. That means I have a problem. So we'll we'll figure something out. <laughs> so um, we got a message on the Facebook page that uh, somebody wanted a shout out. It appears that we have a, a UK listener, and he said he and his family are big fans of the uh, show. So to uh, Lee Anthony Beat, uh, we wanted to let you know that we appreciate that you listen to us. And um, I don't know if I could come up with some you know pithy you know Englishized phrase that I could tell you to tell your family, I would. So tell them whatever you think is appropriate because we're listening <laughs> to you, Anthony. We hear you. We hear you. All right. So uh, I guess with that, J.D., I'm going to let you uh, uh, present our main topic sponsor for tonight's show. Our thanks to uh, JWB Military and Brass for supporting tonight's main topic. You can go to JWBMilitary.com. Use the pro, uh, promo code ARP10 for 10% off quality once-fired military reloading brass or AR500 steel targets and more. That is JWBMilitary.com. Thanks, guys, for sponsoring the AR15 podcast. Main topic tonight as we talk with Rocky from Critical Capabilities and Unbranded AR. A lot to talk about and uh, been looking forward to this one when we uh, started communicating, Rocky. So thank you for joining us tonight. My pleasure. So, Rocky, why don't you kind of give us a thumbnail sketch of this family that is the core of your family business? So it's you and your husband? My husband and I started critical capabilities in 2011 and it mainly it's the primary uh it's our primary business uh unbranded ar serves our as our retail side but the majority of our business is oem and manufacturing so we target the of the ar-15 sold last year we think between 70 and 80 percent 
where people spent under $1,000. And so we service in that market. That's what we target. And we still think that you can make a quality AR-15 with American manufactured products for under $1,000. And so we deal in the wholesale space and our retail side, unbranded AR, takes product from that those large purchase orders and we uh, give that opportunity for dealers and uh, consumers to uh, link up with American-made manufacturers. So that's what we do. So tell me, what was the journey like from the outside to becoming business people in the firearms industry? How did you guys kind of germinate that initial idea and, and take those steps? Well, I'll just start with from the very beginning. My husband is actually still active duty military. Uh, he serves as a Green Beret here at Fort Bragg in Fayetteville, North Carolina. And so when we first started the company, we started in mainly consulting. And for us, it was just creating a company that, you know, my husband could at one point take over, you know, once he got out of the military. And it's grown into uh, something, you know, much, much more. And we've just been very blessed throughout the experience with the relationships that we've built. And uh, truly, when we started critical, critical capabilities on the OEM side, you know, we just went knocking on doors, manufacturers all over our all over the country. And, you know, firearms is the one industry that's still predominantly manufactured in this country. And so, we have a passion for serving in that space. And so when you deal with manufacturer, we deal with some manufacturers who deal, you know, maybe it's 80% car parts and only 20% is firearms. And as they have, as more and more of their machine time is going to China and gosh, I'm starting to sound like Trump in Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we saw an opportunity where we had empty machine time and uh, we saw it as an opportunity and we saw uh, found our niche. We took um, just standard mil spec parts to manufacturers and we started getting uh, quality product out and we, we started selling it basically door to door. With OEMs, large manufacturers. And at first, I'll say that uh, for a long time, we were sort of known as a gap filler in the industry. You know, large companies have their primary sources for all their parts. And for us, it was just, just give us an opportunity to help you fill your gaps. You know, when your machine is down, let us have, give us the opportunity to provide parts. So we started out with an Excel sheet for every AR-15 part. Uh, we started to figure out who made what and for how much. And, uh, you know, we just, that's how we started from the beginning. That That's critical capabilities. And uh, now, if, if you're really curious, you can go to uh, criticalcapabilities.com and check out. We have our volumes there and kind of what we do. We don't talk about clients. Um, it's pretty standard for the industry. Uh, but I, I, you know, when I joined the company about two and a half years ago. My husband kind of did this on the side and he started hiring employees. And when he needed a marketing person, we were actually going through a PCS. And uh, my specialty is marketing. I came from the real estate world uh, and I was really good at getting out on social media and marketing. And so uh, I joined Critical and decided that 
when I joined that I had a passion for, you know, we had always been known for being behind the scenes and no one, uh, people just kind of heard about us through the grapevine and we were given referrals and I decided to start Unbranded AR, our retail side of the business. And ever since we went online, got on Instagram, you know, all the the fun part of social media, uh, we really did take off. Right now, Unbranded AR serves about uh, about 350 dealers. Uh, we sell unbranded AR-15 parts, so people can take our products and put their logos on it and make it their own. So from that moment where you began to secure the, you know, the, the place as a gap filler, how long was that transition to being gap filler to being the company that was relied on as a, a, a primary source for those items? Was that a pretty short hop or was it kind of you had to put some time in to build those relationships and that trust? You know, I'd like to think that it was right about the time that I joined the company. <laughs> uh, but truthfully, when we started going online, before it was phone calls, you know, we, we made calls, it was, we had to constantly be on, we took, you know, for the majority of the time that we've had this company, we take our vacations going on business trips. You know, whenever my husband gets back from Afghanistan, we travel the country and, and we build relationships and I'm usually going to SHOT Show alone because my husband's in Afghanistan and then I'm calling him on the phone trying to figure out, you know, uh, how to hustle. And in and, and the same time, I was also learning the industry uh, relatively, you know, I'd gone to the range. Uh, I've, um, you know, I was a second amendment supporter when I, when I joined the company, but uh, I had a, a huge learning curve. And so as I was posting on social media, these pictures of pallets of gun parts, people started to have an interest in finding out that we made parts and that we could, we could do that in a larger scale. And uh, so going online, I think was the big game changer for us. And so right now, would you say that the bulk of your relationships um, are in that primary role as being the company relied upon uh, to source that? Or do you think that there's still a big part of what you do that is also gap filling? Right. Well, no, I would say now we are, uh, we have relationships with companies. Once uh, we had the opportunity to fill a gap for a company. Usually that company came back and we started to build relationships and started to get on their schedule to provide parts. Um, lower parts kits, for example, that's uh, one of the parts that we started tackling early on. And before, uh, we used to sell branded products. But now we're buying in such large volumes that we can actually be competitive with uh, some of the biggest brand manufacturers in the company. Uh, our lower parts kit, you can see if you go to Unbranded AR, you can get many different variations of that lower parts kit. But we do many, many more variations off the website. And for our large OEM clients, we uh, ha work with about, gosh, I'd say... <laughs> Our list of manufacturers is probably three dozen, and I would say that uh, at any given time, we're working with about a dozen uh, manufacturers to put together products to our spec. Uh -huh. You know, I, I kind of sense that in that, that 
uh, explanation was your unwillingness to say that you kind of <laughs> beat the pants out of some of your uh, competitors <laughs> and, and took some uh, some market share away from them. Uh, <laughs> well, no, you know what. Um, what I think is unique about what we provide, um, you know, sure, I understand that, you know, some people are going to buy lower parts kits and the first thing they're going to do is they're going to throw away that standard A2 grip, you know, and they're going to toss out that fire control group. And so if that's what they want to do, we understand that there's a need for that. There are people have certain fire control groups that they want in their lower parts kit. And uh, we understand that, which is why we offer it as an option. But I can tell you, um, you know, one of the things that makes critical capabilities unique is uh, although we're not a direct manufacturer ourselves, we now are in the place where we're invested in machine time or actually owning the machines on floors in different shops because of the volume that we do. Mm-hmm. And because we're working with so many different manufacturers, we have a competitive advantage on bringing in raw materials to produce those products. So the the names, and I don't, we don't talk about clients, but mm-hmm. um, I can tell you that our fryer control group that we offer on Unbranded AR's website is better than any standard fryer control group that you'll find in any lower parts kit on the market. And I'm confident because we've we've tested that. Um, being fortunate to be at Bragg with some of the best uh, operators in the industry, we've uh, gotten we've worked R and D these products. You know, over the course of years, we're constantly changing to improve our quality. And um, I would say that our growth over the last, you know, gosh, now is a good time to be in the industry. Every no one can argue that. Yeah. You know, but. Um, we've grown steadily in, you know, some of the trying times in this industry. And it's just been a real blessing to see our hard work pay off. But we're constantly re- reworking our products and figuring out how we can, um, you know, bring our prices down so that we can invest in coatings, better coatings, uh, better materials, reinvest in, in our products and make it the best that we can. And and we believe, and we've already proven, because I've started to price out, um, you know, in this time where people just need to get their hands on product on the critical side, you know, we've looked at importing product, you know, for clients who understand what they're getting. And, you know, it's funny because our products are actually very competitive. Uh, we, and we've, that's one of our goals is getting and and you really can get a great quality product that's made in this country. It just has to be the focus of the company. Right. And we believe that that's our focus. I you think know, that answers uh, the question. One of the questions that was written in about from Jeff D that says, are the unbranded, uh, unbranded lower components USA made always wondered about it from the price of their products. So I think Rocky just answered uh, your question there, Jeff D on the, the quality of the products that they put out there, critical capabilities. Are you guys, sorry to jump in, Reed, but are sure. you guys um, expanding or staying pat now when it comes to building uh, what you guys are doing or your capacity? We are increasing capacity almost every single month. And, uh, you know, it's difficult because we are a very cons- fiscally conservative company. We're a cash-based business. We always have been. And, um, you know, unbranded AR, even with the amount of dealers that we have in our, our retail base, 
uh, it's only 5% of our business. Uh, it fluctuates between 5 and 10% of our business. And our, our bread and butter is in our OEM. And so as we can invest in, in new products, uh, we are doing the best that we can. But again, our focus is, um, I always get the question of, when are you going to get rails? When are you going to do this? And, um, you know, we've experimented with that in the past, but um, we found that if we just stick with what we're good at and we're good at the parts that are the same in every single AR-15. And it's so difficult to invest in because <laughs> the, the quantities that we're purchasing in and the quantities that we're manufacturing are in the tens of thousands. Right. So, uh, you know, it's not realistic for us to be great at everything. And so we really feel like we're great at what we do and it's your consumable parts, those parts that are in every single AR-15. See, I think it's a it's it's a fascinating choice because I think you're exactly right in terms of where you can position yourself for that kind of growth and expansion. I mean, if you take any of those kind of um, aesthetic pieces, I mean, yeah, they're necessary, but people don't buy them because they're necessary. They buy them because they're an aesthetic choice. You know, sure. do I want key mod or M lock? Do I want you know? Uh, rail pieces that are designed specifically for my manufacturer's, you know, component and they're not interchangeable. You know, what, what choices am I going to put into it? Um, those are things that you, you can't anticipate for every taste, but every single one of those rifles has, you know, a hammer spring and everyone yep. has a trigger spring and they all have the detents and they all have the takedown pins and they all, they all have those things at the core. I mean, I, I think you're, I think it's 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 one of those choices that you look at not from the position of of you know ego or the position of of creation. You look at it from the perspective of you know that that business uh, the conscientious business perspective that says where's the solution to the problem people are having and what's the problem. I, I think it's 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 ingenious. Right. And uh, I do want to clarify, my husband is largely in charge of critical capabilities. It's the company that he started. Uh, and then I am pretty much my baby is unbranded AR. And so we operate as totally separate companies in a lot of ways. Of course, I purchase from critical capabilities and I sleep right. with the owner. So that helps. <laughs> but <laughs> But in a lot of ways, our goals are very different. You know, he's servicing a OEM client, and so uh, we have our pricing structure in place to protect all of our clients. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. But we also uh, very much have different goals in mind, and uh, my goal is to build unbranded AR. And it's an, it, you know, it's funny because it actually is a brand. You know, people are starting to recognize us as a brand, but uh, in, in my view, some people just want to build a quality AR and right. they don't care what it says on there. They just want it to work and they want it to go. And so if I know that it's a quality part and I continue to put out good product and people continue to be satisfied, I think that our brand will continue to grow. And then they can take it and they can put whatever brand they want on it. Right, right. Um, let me ask you this. So this is kind of what I'm – the impression I'm getting um, – from the, the, the starting point. And, and I'll start with a story from college. So, you know, business school, understanding that, uh, like, a 
Del Monte, right? They make canned vegetables. They make whatever canned vegetables that they're going to stock their shelves with. And then they may have, you know, however many hours a month of machine time that is just going to waste because they're not making any more cans. They've already paid for the machines. They've already paid for the electricity. They paid for all those inputs. And they started selling them to people that were going to make generic. They put a, you know, generic label on it. It was generic yeah. beans. And then they'd sell them and they'd be generic. And the thing that I think the ingenious part is that they realize, okay, well, I've got a machine that might be able to generate um, 20,000 more units uh, a day or a week or a month or whatever it was. And I can sell those for, um, you know, a third less than I'd sell my own stuff. Or I could not make that money at all. And so they choose to make the money. Because nobody's going to be able to say, oh, well, those are Del Monte beans in that, you know, generic can. I'll buy them because they're cheaper. No, they, they don't know those things. But so when you guys go to the, your, your manufacturers, you, you're essentially taking that underutilized machine time, right? In some cases. Uh, now we work with... Uh, we had different relationships with different manufacturers. Obviously, uh, throughout the years, we have different contracts with different manufacturers. Um, we, there's some that we use more of, but essentially, yes. Uh, for us, it was just about understanding how manufacturing worked and getting inside there. And uh, we used to work with brands and sell branded products. And, you know, it's funny because we used to go into machine shops and then find out that some of the parts on the lower parts kit line were actually uh, imported products. And they were saying these are American made. And, of course, I would never, you know, um, throw any company under the bus. But for us, that was a problem. Right. And when we saw that uh, there were people that really were – there's, you know, in our industry – we're constantly, you had a whole episode dedicated to who do we trust? And <laughs> you, we have big brands that everyone loves and recognizes that are starting to import product and right, the quality right. control is just not where it needs to be. And so we just stand by. And of course, with the volume that we're dealing, we have issues, you know, and, but for us, it's about standing behind our product mm -hmm. and, um, and really building a brand that people could trust. And so, yes, we uh, started going in uh, to different manufacturing facilities, just trying to understand what we were selling. And that's when we when we started dealing in the volumes where we could actually, uh, where manufacturers would make the give us the time of day. We just slowly evolved that the relationships that we've built and that we have today. So, in that evolution from then to now. What occurs to me from what you said is it sounds like you are in a unique spot in that you're, um, the sources that you rely on are very well diversified. They're not they concentrated are. in one area and they may not even be concentrated in the same kinds of manufacturing spheres. So you have the ability to kind of like diversify your risk, right? Well, yes. And part of that is the diversity in the manufacturers, you know, um, we have one guy that just does titanium, right? So if you go to Unbranded AR, you can see uh, titanium parts. Uh, and that manufacturer, you know, 
we give all titanium work to him. So, you know, there are several brands in the industry that produce a titanium part, you know, and there are fewer manufacturers for titanium. But uh, we, you know, we just build relationships and uh, try and figure out, gosh, it's everything is it. It, it's hard to generalize what we do because the scope of what Critical does. And to be honest, I'm not as involved with that side of the business, you know, dealing with my dealers and the retail side of things. I, you know, I observe what, what happens, you know, and what my, the projects that my husband's working on. Um, but it, it's pretty cool when we uh, go to the wholesale conventions or a shot show uh, to, to meet some of the people behind those machines and to understand you know, how we've gotten to be where we are and how I'm getting the product that I'm able to deliver for Unbranded. Well, why don't we focus on Unbranded now? I mean, I sure. think that in terms of um, the the insights into critical capabilities, it, it, it sounds like that is an instrumental piece of what you've built with Unbranded. It, it is, but I... Critical does, there's so much that they do off the website. Uh, They don't solely work AR-15 parts, you know, and they actually do get to work on some of the cool rails and things like that. Uh, But uh, the part that are, the parts that we do volume in and the parts that we really specialize in are the parts that I try and pull from um, that make financial sense for us to be able to offer retail and uh, for dealers. Well, about what time was it that – oh, go ahead, J.D. Before we uh, switch over to it, I I just want to – when you say say fill in the gap, I think back – what comes to my mind is when – because we can't (laughs) – bullet carrier groups or or things like that, just looking at the volume, you guys share on the – critical capability site, the volume, you know, the fire control groups, you know, 17,000, uh, lower parts, kits and components per year, you know, 380,000, you know, kits. And it, this makes me pretty excited. I just saw it here a second ago. Um, we're going to have to do some business for my 82 lowers. I don't think I reach critical capabilities levels <laughs> for the uppers. Thousand. So, you know what? I know I'll be able to get uppers for the <laughs> I've got to up my game a little bit before I can order from them, but know that you know we're gonna things are always up and down in the firearms industry and kind of weird. And everybody we've talked to in the last couple of months, guys, have said, "Hey, we're seeing record sales for summer um, going down. We're now getting back orders and, and things like that." So it's nice to have this company that this their job is to stand in the gap. And by standing in the gap for those companies, they've made relationships to continue to grow. Uh, now I can sleep at ease tonight knowing that I will probably be able to get a bolt carrier group and a lower parts kit when I need one. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, but we have the same challenges that a lot of the people in the industry face, you know, so – uh, we have, we're back ordered on product as well. Um, and a lot of that is out of our control because, uh, you know, a manufacturer can tell me it's going to be there in two weeks and two weeks comes and three weeks comes and four weeks comes. And for us, it's, you know, for me, I have to, uh, set the expectation for our clients so that they understand and people just don't get it right. When, uh, 
machines. They people are working three shifts overnight, and <laughs> uh, we do the best that we can. But the reality right. is, we're human. You know, and I think you know, we've we've got a mutual friend that is uh, begging the power company to let him have more power. So I mean, it's uh, I. I I see a little bit of the challenge now that why why aren't these kits and stuff showing up? Well, there's a chain of other things that need to happen to make sure that those get there. So right. that's good to know now. And for me, you know, when it comes to lower parts kits, you know, think about how many parts are in those LPKs, you know, depending on the different variation. You know, I could have 10,000 of every single part and I could be waiting on bags of one type of spring, you know, and gosh, how frustrating is it to sit, to sit on that kind of inventory and people complaining about why they can't get there, <laughs> why, 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 why we still don't have LPKs in stocking. I, I promise these people that I, I am staying up at night waiting for those springs as well. <laughs> so when it came time for you to create unbranded parts, um, was that kind of an intuitive leap or was there, did you have to get shoved out of the nest to, to, to do that? Tell me what that transition looked like. Gosh, it's been a whirlwind, you know, running a business is, uh, has challenges and particularly in this industry and, um, gosh, being female in the industry plays a whole nother, <laughs> another, um, rent in the everything. But I think that for us, it's, um, it's been, we make decisions. My husband and I are very business oriented. We have annual report meetings for our personal finances. And so we sit together and we work pretty well together, setting goals and uh, evaluating how we're going to live our lives and how we're going to meet our goals. And so our business is no exception to that. After every single month, we look at our balance sheets and we decide what products sold this month what products didn't sell. And then we have to make choices based on that and how we're going to move forward. And for us, you know, again, we used to sell branded products online and we started to realize a trend in what people really wanted. And that's where we started to invest our dollars. And it's, that's why we have the product line that we have. It's solely based on what sells and what people want. So tell me about the origins of unbranded (laughs) ARs. So, you know, I, I sort of think I had an aha moment when I was at a bar <laughs> with my husband and uh, we were talking to uh, the business owner there telling us about how uh, he branded his uh, beer and <laughs> uh, we, you know, beer companies, they take their labels and they, or breweries uh, will, we're basically like a micro brew for firearms, right? You can get an unbranded product and put your own brand on it. And so for us, uh, unbranded is actually set up. So there's a dealer backend. So you can sign up as a dealer and you get uh, preferential pricing. And uh, we started to see a need, you know, when dealers started calling us saying, hey, I'd like to get 100 of these or I'd like to get 10 of these. Those were quantities that started to add up. And we saw a need to, uh, and, you know, a lot of dealers would say, hey, can you put our, our logo on this? And I said, no, but um, I could give you one without the logo and <laughs> you can do whatever you want with it. And eventually I'd like to brand products for uh, dealers and things like that and offer that service. Um, 
again, it's a we're a small company and uh, we're growing. So, in terms of what drives your choices, you, you you indicated that the things that are really kind of the the uh, the upper tier of uh, drivers at um, critical capabilities tend to be the things that have made their way to unbranded. Um, is that something that always holds true, or is there a point where you just kind of diverge from what they're doing because you see your own trend that's really independent? And that plays into it. We look at what sells and what pro- what are the margins that we have with our manufacturers? How how um, how competitive can we be with this product based on you know the the dollar amount that we're getting our figures for? So, uh, titanium was a big risk for us. Yeah. You know, uh, you the companies that are producing those products are dealing in the opposite of what the majority of our business is that, you know, they're in that 30% of the industry that's competing for a top of the line AR-15. And so the volumes that they deal in are significantly smaller than the numbers we're seeing for the uh, products that are under $1,000. The And I'm referring to the complete rifle. Uh, so when we started working with companies who say they had a they had several tiers of firearms that they sold and they did the majority of their business with us. And then they wanted an, they wanted um, that same product made in titanium. And so we, as we started dealing with titanium and as we started to do volume, that's when uh, we saw an opportunity. I saw an opportunity uh, because, you know, I deal with retail. So I deal with the everyday clients calling saying, hey, can you offer this? Can you offer this? Hey, have you thought about this? And so, like, I like to say critical deals with the boring stuff, <laughs> although uh, they make it possible for the relationships we have with our manufacturers where I can actually uh, contract out a part to be made for for our unbranded brand. So in terms of the companies collectively, do you see any like limits on the horizon or is this still an unexplored country for you? Well, the way we see it, uh, you know, Critical is actually looking, and this is a little bit out of my scope, but uh, they are looking to export because there's still a demand for an American-made firearm. So we understand there's only so many AR-15s that will be purchased this year. And who knows with the political climate, what that means for us long term. Uh, but we we know that the companies that we supply to, are, you know, will be around for a long time. And we know that uh, and, and as we're starting to get in the exporting game, you know, there's still a huge, there's so many, there's so much opportunity out there. And we see it as, um, well, number one, we see it as, you know, jobs that we're providing for American manufacturers. Mm-hmm. And um, so in a lot of ways, uh, we have a passion behind that and the relationships we've built and keeping uh, those relationships going. Um, so there's that. But, no, we see um, the doors wide open. You know, Critical might have a different perspective with, you know, how they're viewing things, but that's how I see it. <laughs> My husband, by the way, is very different than me. It'd be interesting to have him so you can kind of pick his brain on his perspective, but he's a Green Beret and he likes to keep to himself, so. <laughs> well, if you ever wanted to, to come on the show, you could you could hide him behind your picture and 
<laughs> I'm sure he's going to listen to the most of this and think, gosh, I have a totally different perspective. Again, we <laughs> we run two different companies, so it's hard to speak on his behalf. Well, you had mentioned uh, having your, your monthly board meetings, and so I was mm-hmm. curious whether that was um, uh, top-down from you or top-down from him. <laughs> Oh, I definitely run the show. <laughs> no, I'm very respectful. You know, because he's been in the military, uh, we're in an interesting position because sometimes he deploys for six months at a time. Mm-hmm. And, it, I, you know, I have to take over the business when he goes. Right. Uh, um, so in a lot of ways people are actually are talking to Pat via email and they don't realize they're talking to me and he's <laughs> staying up until four o'clock in the morning, Afghanistan time communicating with people who don't even realize that he's out of the country. Uh, but you know, that's the challenge that we have as being a military family. And, uh, but you know, that's not always going to be the case actually, uh, and he's he's actually getting out soon, so we're very excited about that, and we're very excited to have him. So I'm I'm very. It, this is the company that he started. He hired me, and I'm getting paid enough where I, you know, <laughs> I'm happy. <laughs> and so if I if I get really if I get really frustrated, I just quit. And he usually hires me back. So. <laughs> well, do you drive a hard bargain? You have to have a raise and compensation. <laughs> Hey, Rocky, could you help me the next time I have to renegotiate my contract with Reed? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, I keep telling him I'm going to pay him twice what I'm paying him now if he'll just quit asking people that, but he doesn't like that. (laughs) He tells me I have to pay him something first for that to be a meaningful offer. (laughs) If you guys, you know, my husband and I work very well as a team. We are totally different and he's very analytical i um look at things from you know i'm more of a salesperson i'm more of the marketing kind of person i i like chatting with people and he's into the numbers and the details and so i'm the the dreamer and i'm always trying to get into new products and to to do new things because you know as as i'm getting in the industry industry and training and learning more about ar-15s there's products that i'd like to have and carry and so he has to explain to me from a business perspective why we have to be conservative and all that, but all that boring junk. So, you know, I, I do, I do trusted judgment. We, um, he's built a very successful company and, um, I'm trailing behind, but I still very much believe that unbranded AR has a growth potential that's significant and that I'll be competing with him very soon. So if I were to kind of put you on the spot and say, from the perspective of the aesthetic, it, it appears to me that you guys are dealing with um, the bread and butter of what goes into rifles. But the aesthetic side is the thing that um, I think a lot of people are trying to squeeze a little bit of, of margin with. Is that something that, that you guys think about? Um, you know, the, the fancy... Uh, you know, handguard, you know, rail pieces, you know, accessories, you know, the things that um, may or may not take off or could be, you know, squeezed out of the, the market when somebody else comes up with a better mousetrap. Are those the kinds of things that you look at and think about or 
do you have like a different approach to what it is that drives the expansion of your um, your catalog of, of uh, items? I'll speak for unbranded AR. I look at the products that we're dealing in volume, of course, and that I think would do really well with the dealer and the retail market. Um, our, our barrels have incru- improved quite a bit. Our, our sourcing, and keep in mind, like critical deals with all of the parts. So we're talking barrel extensions to barrel blanks. And so some of the companies that we work with, we've been able to combine um, some of the best in the industry and create some really high caliber products. And so for me, uh, you know, I would say at first my husband kind of drove what what products we offer, but uh, and he and he still has some input that our employees do as well. But uh, I'm constantly looking to see like what is what is cool, and then we we do a test run, you know, of a hundred, put them on the website, see how they do, and then uh, depending on how sales go, we move forward and we purchase more. It's it's truly just a matter of uh, what are my margins? Can I can I give this at an affordable price? And I'm constantly mindful because I'm I'm dealing with dealers or my clients in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, I understand that for retail, um, sometimes they don't have a great relationship with a FFL in the, in the local. Maybe they're from a small town or whatever the case may be. So I do I do have my retail clients that come in and are willing to pay uh, retail price. But for dealers, I, I need to be able to provide them a healthy margin. And uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't offer discounts. I get all the time, hey, can I can I get in the wholesale game, though, we deal, you know, often in pennies. Mm-hmm. And so when when I take the time to put something, um, make it for retail, I'm not going to sell, you know, a dealer a thousand barrels and then undercut my dealer and sell it to a retail customer or my friend because I like them. And, you know, um, I have to keep that pricing structure right. um, the way it is to protect my dealers. Um, but I, you know, it's funny. A lot of people think that uh, are surprised when they approach me on Instagram and they say, Hey, I'd, I'd really like to get this. Um, I see that you're out of stock. Um, how do, how do I go about getting this product? And they're surprised when I send them to a local dealer. And for me, it's really about, uh, providing a service, providing, um, becoming a resource, uh, you know, I don't sell all the AR-15 parts. I have great relationships with people in the industry. And to be able to provide a dealer network to somebody and to connect someone, get someone to walk into a shop. A lot of guys don't necessarily know what they're doing when they put together their first AR. So a lot of times it's a good idea to know a gunsmith and build a relationship with their <laughs> dealer anyways, because they're probably going to walk in there going, what did I do wrong? Uh, so I like to steer people in the right direction. And... Right. Um, you know, people see that I'm an AR girl, so they go, what What can I buy from you? And and a lot of times the answer is I'll send them to a, a gun shop or I'll send them to a big box shop so that they can purchase uh, their their firearm or their AR-15 and just become familiar with it because that's where they're at and that's what they need at that time. So in terms of the, the dealers that you um, support, um, is that the, the core... I mean, is that the the majority of the business that you do? When it that comes is to unbranded? for unbranded, yes. Uh, but um, 
I get new dealers every week and I get new retail clients every week. So um, sometimes retail guys will say, hey, I found this bolt carrier group in this shop and, you know, uh, it's it, it's actually cheaper. And I say, great, go buy it there. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> you know, I don't know what to do with that other than um, I know that for even for our retail side and. I don't know if you've looked at the pricing. It's competitive. Yeah, you know? I've looked at it. It's very competitive. Our, our products are competitive. Um, and, you know, you don't go to our website and see, you know, 200 SKUs. You sometimes, you're lucky if you, you get 50 or so. Right. <laughs> and, and we sell out, but, you know, every single – we're putting in stock every single day almost, and we're selling out of product just as quickly. So, um, yeah. So when it comes to products that you um, are putting into the, you know, the inventory, um, do you try to make sure that you're getting that out to your dealers um, before you think about making it available on your website? I mean, l- let me give you an example. I'm, I'm looking at a 16-inch uh, government 107 twist barrel. So mm-hmm. if you got um, you know, a thousand of those, but you had 1100, uh, on order from dealers mm-hmm. and a hundred from retailers, retail buyers. Would you do, do you try to satisfy all the dealer demand first since that's the place you tend to send your retail buyers to? Well, some of my unbranded sales are off the website. And so okay. if a dealer comes to me and gives me a purchase order for a thousand, I, you know, I absolutely can fulfill that order and I, I do that separately. Uh, so to answer, there is a, on our website, whenever we're out of stock on something, you can click notify me mm-hmm. when, when available. And I, I, unless there's a purchase order, you know, whoever orders, whether you're ordering one or you're ordering a thousand, to me, it doesn't really matter because that, that that would that I would you would be questioning my integrity, right? If I said that uh, this one retail customer who's paying significantly more is less important than someone who's going to buy a thousand. Now, the relationships I have with my dealers are typically solid, and they come back in t- time and time again. But that's sometimes true for a lot of my retail clients. I have some guys who build guns every single month, and they come back and buy one LPK every single month, and. Um, you know, I I actually at my Instagram page, people tag me when they complete an AR, and I always like to share those because I really do find joy in knowing that I'm actually helping this guy out, or I get to be a part of this guy's build. It's it's pretty cool to see. So uh, I encourage anyone who buys, you know, if you go to my website and you use any of my products, definitely tag me so I can give you a shout out. Uh, and show me your AR. I, I actually really enjoy to see the cool stuff because I get to see the same products in and out every day. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about building ARs is you can do so much with it. You really can. So. Well, you know, I keep trying to get JD uh, to <laughs> finish one of the rifles he he has uh, stockpiled. I'm not sure when he's going to actually kind of like, you know, uh, to coin a phrase, pull the trigger and build a rifle. But you know. 2020. 2020. That's, that's, <laughs> yeah. That's I, I, sorry, guys. It's bedtime for five kiddos. So. I understand. Well, I'm, I'm 
fairly certain that JD has one of those big uh, burial vault lockers that uh, <laughs> they sell that's on its way so that it can find a nice, quiet place to hibernate in the desert. Shut up, dude! <laughs> It's a big desert. It's a big desert. Calm down. It's a big desert. (laughs) Start handing out your phone number on Instagram and Facebook. Oh, well, I have to tell you that, um, Raquel, it's been great uh, talking with you about the business side of everything you're involved in. Would you be willing to uh, hang tight and, and help us record another episode so we can talk to you about, you know, basically your your journey in the the firearms world as a female and a shooter and a hobbyist and just kind of get your take on everything that's going on uh, these days? Absolutely. Well, it's I, been an honor. Thank you. Well, I think with that, J.D., why don't we uh, close out this show and then we'll see about getting another one uh begun and wrapped up all right part two will start in a couple minutes well you'll have to wait until next week but uh we'll be back with rocky and i think reed's coming back unless it's nap time is it nap time it's not nap time i've been resting okay good (laughs) all right so send us any questions or comments to ar15.podcast at gmail.com subscribe and listen to the ar15 podcast for free and itunes or on stitcher leave us a review so the show can place higher for uh, searches for potential listeners uh, share your picks with us on Instagram at AR15 podcast. If we ever get out and go shooting, hmm. um, we will actually post something up there. If you guys want to share your rifles, we'd be more than happy to put them up there. Uh, follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash AR15 podcast. Check out the other great uh, podcasts on the firearms radio network, firearmsradio.tv. Click on pledge and the AR15 podcast, and you can support the show make it better into 2017 don't forget to use the brownells affiliate link for all your ar15 parts needs and the amazon affiliate links when you're shopping both of those available at firearmsradio.tv and with that this is episode 187 of the ar15 podcast all right folks we'll see you again in just a little while This has been a production of the Firearms Radio Network. You can find more information at firearmsradio.tv.